ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, my first reaction is just fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in house in the Central Division. That's right. I'm a meatball. You got to bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Corey, Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. White Sox fans, welcome in. You are listening to the Sox on Tap post game show. Johnny Nani here, joined by NWI Steve. A little bit froggy voices on the show tonight. Uh, we were bear- bearing uh, that wind uh, out on Wednesday uh, and Thursday at the ballpark, but uh, we are hashtag back talking about a White Sox winner. Steve, White Sox, raise you one, beat the Rays, one run ball game, 3 2 final. White Sox improved to 5 and 2. I'm feeling delicious. I don't know about you, man. Hey, yo, Johnny, I'm feeling good. That was just a nice, good, clean, crisp White Sox winner, baby. You love to see it to start a series off. Yeah, absolutely. Against, uh, obviously, a team that is going to be a contender as well in the American League. It's nice to stack up. Remember, there, there was a kind of stretch in the middle of last year where we had a stretch of good AL teams coming in, uh, especially coming into the rate, and we thought, you know, oh, this is going to be a big measuring stick. So, yeah, we stack up because it was a little bit lighter schedule before. Now we're getting some of these big ones out early the way. Um, it was good to, like you said, start off on the right foot here. So uh, we'll get into all the details from this game. But before we do, listeners, as always, make sure you're visiting ontapsportset.com for all your Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs give us a follow on social media that's on tap sportsnet and at socks on tap and to join the stream join your comments get them and get them in here right right below here um go and subscribe on tap sportsnet on youtube uh, when you post a comment there we'll be able to pull it up and uh display it on the broadcast you can do that from facebook as well unfortunately we cannot integrate the comments from twitter yet so working on that still but uh not capable as of this moment so bottom line Go subscribe on Tap Sportsnet on YouTube. Get your comments in this stream. So, Steve, let's talk. Uh, starting like we mentioned, starting off the series on uh, right foot here. White Sox take down the Rays three to two. Um, from this one, I think we got to start with Mr. Dylan Cease because that was an outstanding outing. I know we started offense before. Let's start pitching. What do you like from Dylan Cease tonight? Same thing that we saw from Dylan Cease in his first start of the year in Detroit uh, last weekend. Going out there, establishing fastball command early, getting ahead consistently allowing himself to pitch ahead of these Tampa Bay Ray hitters, get into these 0-2-1-2 counts, and he was really doing a nice job of mixing up his pitch mix to be able to put guys away. He had eight strikeouts during the course of his five and two-thirds innings today, and it, it wasn't just utilizing the fastball or the overhand curve or the slider to put guys away. He was bearing it up. There was really no distinct pattern to what he was doing. That's the type of thing that you want to see from a guy that everybody has very lofty expectations from this season as a viable Cy Young candidate. And through two starts here so far, we've seen what people are talking about here. Got a little bit uh, shaky there in the in the fourth inning, just running up a couple of deep counts. But overall, you have to be thrilled once again with the effort from Dylan Cease tonight. I agree wholeheartedly, and I think a big point that I take away from uh, your takeaways there is mixing it up because all these teams, especially a team like the Rays, are really, really good with their analytics, their scouting. Um, they have a game plan of what they want to do against you. They, they study your tendencies. Obviously, not much to build on from this season, but you know, carrying over from last season. Well, guess what? You switch it up on them, and they're going to look foolish. That's exactly what happened. 
You're absolutely right. And that, again, was something that I'm going to be very interested to watch with Dylan throughout the course of the season here from start to start, seeing how he's going to go about varying up his looks for for different lineups. Um, Obviously, this Tampa lineup is a little more well-rounded than the one that he saw in Detroit last weekend. So going out there, establishing strike one, fastball command, paramount importance with a team like Tampa that is pretty patient overall offensively. Went out there today and just you, I just can't say enough about the progression that we're seeing from this guy. Going back even to the second half of last season and the carryover effect that it is having now here. Granted, only two starts here, so we got to temper the optimism a little bit. But if he continues to build upon this, we are just seeing, I think, the tip of the iceberg for what everyone believes is going to be a very dynamic, successful season for Dylan Cease. 100% Steve Cease was dealing. Our first comment here from Sally G uh, in the YouTube stream. Cease was dealing tonight. His final numbers, five and two-thirds, three hits, one earned run, just two walks, eight strikeouts. That's a pretty figure. You'll like to see it. Uh, we got Matt in here, Voodoo, XO7, uh, strike one, hashtag set the tone, strike two, set the tone, strike three, set the fucking tone. I love it. See, that's why you subscribe on YouTube. Get your comments in here on the stream. We love it, um, especially our guests that keep coming back uh, and interacting with the show. We love to see it. So um, th- that about wraps up Dylan Cease. Let's get into scoring this game a little bit, Steve. I know there's some bullpen stuff to talk about later, but we'll flip it to the offense, how this thing got going. Um, and with scoring, White Sox uh, open it up in the bottom of the second, a little bit more of set the tone action pretty fairly early in the game. Uh, Sheets, the one out, uh, ground rule double. Garcia gets him over on a 6-3 ground out. Uh, Sheets gets a third, and then he scores. A little hashtag wild pitch offense here. You got to love the wild pitch offense. I was joking around about it uh, the last couple of days on Twitter.com. It's a pretty popular social networking site that people like to use. We've seen over the course of the last year or two that the Sox have actually been pretty beneficial when it comes to the wild pitch offense. So seeing it come to fruition here once again today, nice way to go get on the board again. You know, Tampa is a team that generally plays pretty close, tight-knit ball games here. So being able to take advantage of the situation there, getting some some wild pitches. And, and really, one thing that I want to talk about, a lot of people within the White Sox Twitter space like to talk about Yasmani Grandal's defense. If you want to see what a really bad defensive catcher looks like, Francisco Mejia back there, because that was an absolute train wreck behind the plate tonight from Tampa Bay. White Sox were beneficiaries of it, obviously, on that play when uh, the White Sox scored their first run, but they could have been further in the game, too. I know they weren't able to bring um, Adam Engel around eventually when he got on for Vaughn and pinch ran later. But um, like you'd said, I think that is something, uh, you know, evident to point out. And that's a team that, you know, Rays are pretty well known for doing just about everything right. Correct. And sure, you might have a few uh, faulty areas. Well, obviously, um, it's nice when the faulty area can play into our advantage uh, as the opponent against them. So uh, let's move on. Uh, We got a burger bomb friend of the show. Jake Berger. That is his second career home run in the bottom of the third inning makes it two Oh, you love to see this guy hit stepping up with you all my out of the lineup. You really do. This is the type of guy that it's always been talked about that he was going to hit regardless of, of what level he was at. The biggest issue for him was always just some untimely, unfortunate injuries, but he's hit everywhere that he's ever been before. And he's going out there and he's putting a lot of pressure on Rick Hahn on Tony La Russa here to say, hey, you know what? I belong up here. Danny Mendick, if I were you, I'd probably be looking for somewhere to live down in Charlotte right now because if Jake Berger continues to produce at this clip here over the next two weeks while Yoan Mankata is still out, I don't know how you could possibly justify sending him back down to Charlotte at this point. 
Right. One a little, uh, you know, hardcore and anal- hashtag analysis for me here. I love the spirit with which Jake Berger plays the game. Uh, Steve, you just see he's, he's always happy. He's, he's always a happy go lucky guy. He gets really excited for his moments. He gets excited for his teammates. Hell, remember when that wind was whipping around there uh, on Thursday afternoon and, uh, you know, he, he finally made like a catch on a pop up and he's like giving a, the crowd, you know, a you know, double fist pump for it. I just love it. I, I think that's the energy that, you know, he fits in. He's a South Sider, right? Well, and I think a lot of that just comes from the adversity that he himself has had to face during the course of his professional career since he got drafted. I think it just goes to show that he is really appreciative of the opportunity and thankful to be in the major leagues. And he's going to enjoy every minute that he has just knowing everything he's gone through. And that type of mentality really is infectious, especially when you look at some of the other guys on this team that play with the same mindset. He's got that TW, TW. You are absolutely right. Hawk would love that. Hawk, Hawk right now, he's turning some Smirnoff into piss in Granger, Indiana. And he said, that burger boy, he's got that TW, TW. Yes, absolutely. That, that's great stuff. Great to see Jake Burger hit his second career home run tonight. I thought that also was funny. One last comment on Burger. Uh, Jason Benetti had a funny tweet and it was, uh, you know, Jake Burger, you've hit two. He tagged him, said, you've hit two home runs in your MLB career. And I've been on the couch for both of them because one was a national game last year, uh, Saturday night game on Fox. And then this year, obviously on Apple TV, we'll get to the Apple TV broadcast later. Let's move on in the scoring here. Bottom of the fifth, Steve, you said this is going to be a huge run. As soon as it happened, Lurie finally gets his first hit of the season, breaks an over 18 slump, uh, double down the left field line. Vaughn gets him over, you know, get him on, get him over there. Vaughn with the ground out to the right side, get him over to third and Jake Berger coming through once again, RBI single puts the White Sox up three out at this point. Just coming through in the clutch, understanding situation, realizing, hey, we've got a man on third with less than two outs. we got to find a way to push this run across right here because that's a pivotal run to jump up three to nothing right there. And that turned out to be the difference in this ballgame here. So, again, just tip of the cap to Jake Berger. Phenomenal performance up there offensively tonight. Yeah, I know usually uh, when I'm on with Tony, because since he's my fellow hockey guy over at Four Feathers Pod, uh, I talk about the game-winning hit or the game-winning run. When you look back on it, sure, it's not as prevalent in baseball as it is in hockey when you talk about like the game-winning goal. Uh, it doesn't get like talked about as much, but I like to bring it up because that's technically the game-winning hit, right? Even though it happens much earlier in the uh, stanzas. Absolutely. And that's the type of thing that matters over the course of 162 games is you never know when that pivotal at bat is going to come, come in the first what, inning. Exactly. And Johnny, you talk about this all the time about needing to be opportunistic, right? Getting that third run across right there. That was the very definition of opportunistic. If you look it up in the dictionary, which I know everyone at home is absolutely. And we could bring this comment back from Matt, our guy again, burger has TWTW. That's uh, you know, that's, on full display right there. He talked about, you know, just uh, stepping up when you need to. Uh, Matt also says, tip of the cap to Andrew Vaughn's grounder second base. That's a secondary apple. Yes, we're going with the hockey slang here. I love it. Yeah, man, that's a big Hawks guy too here. So uh, he, he brings that up. There you go. Yeah, if we're, if we're talking about it in hockey terms. You know, it makes all more sense because Jake Berger is a hockey fan. So I love that. I love when I can tie that in here. All right, uh, let's move on. Um, got a little shaky, as you mentioned. Um, in Well, we had the cease fourth inning, which kind of forced this, him not being able to go out and complete the six. But in the six, uh, he had walked uh, Brandon Lau, the lead off there. Um, and then they go, uh, excuse me, uh, Franco gets him to fly out. Rosarina strikes out. And then that's when Aaron Bummer comes into the game. Good pull. Because you got lefty coming up with choice, you get the lefty lefty matchup there. Uh, but unfortunately, choice smokes one out to the left center gap, and 
Luis Robert talk about this missed time jump here um, because this kind of opened the floodgates, I guess, a little bit. Granted, it did stop shortly after, but still, um, this is what happened. Uh, what did you see from Luis Robert on this one? I think it's just a combination of two different things. I, I think he kind of lost track of where he was relative to the wall on the warning track. And again, we've seen this from him on a couple of different occasions over the course of the last two or three years that he does have a tendency to miss time that jump. You contrast that with what we see from Adam Engel. We saw this just a couple of nights ago here, who is really just textbook in, in executing that play at the wall there, timing that jump effortlessly. Um, really, it would be interesting to see if those two kind of get together and if Engel kind of shares with him a little bit of, and, and some pointers on, hey, this is you know one of the things you got to be mindful of, understanding your positioning here and, and working to help time that jump a little bit more effectively. Because I think that's really the one flaw in Luis Roberts' game defensively. Right. And he's, you know what? He's made plenty of amazing plays that we've seen. He's not going to make every single one here. So unfortunate timing for this one, because you would have liked to have Cease have the clean sheet in terms of runs. And then it just kind of piles onto the Aaron Bummer thing. And I, I, I've been, I will hand up here hand up. I've been, I've been harsh on both Bummer and Hendricks, but I just think that's because we shouldn't be nervous when you have your big money, big name relievers coming in, but that's just, you know, me and, uh, it happens. If he makes that catch, we're all talking about how amazing of a play it is. So unfortunately, like I said, opens the floodgates a little bit because next guy up uh, is a right-handed hitter, and that's Yandy Diaz, who uh, laces a double down the right field line, goes oppo off of Bummer and uh, makes this game a 3-2 ball game. Uh, but Bummer did recover, gets Zunino to fly out, and then um, we move on in this one. Uh, Bummer comes back out, redeems himself. Uh, he did have a little bit. He kind of like thought in that, uh, what was that, in the seventh inning then with Margot leading off with the single. Uh, but Bummer able to limit that, even with Margot stealing a base uh, with one out, I believe, there too. So good bounce back there from Bummer. I, I can at least appreciate that. If I'm going to rip him the first time, I'll go and I'll give him his kudos when he deserves it. How's that? Yeah, he, he really did kind of... Uh cinch it up and hunker down as Hawk, right. as Hawk yeah. would like to say there. Um, he really just abused Kevin Kiermeyer with a sweeping slider there. And I mean, Francisco Mejia just had a terrible night offensively dealing with breaking balls first from Dylan sees and then from Aaron bummer once again. So they had a clearly defined point of attack on how they were going to go after him when he was in the batter's box and it was successful for the entire night. So really nice to see bummer kind of uh, just, really tighten up there and and get through that seventh inning with that three to two lead. All right. So this would normally be the section where we're talking about late inning drama uh, with the rest of the bullpen, but there was none of that tonight. Kendall Graveman, one, two, three. Uh, I do need to give a shout out because, you know, if you want to last year in granted in the playoffs, it was a costly, you know, the White Sox not shifting appropriately. Guess what? They shifted perfectly on that Wander Franco lineout uh, to start Kendall Graveman's inning there. So I need to give kudos to that. Other than that, the grave digger gets it done. Uh, Kendall Graveman, uh, scoreless outings five times this year. Gotta love it. Gravedigger is going out and showing why he warranted that free agent contract this season that Rick Hahn gave him. Um, he has really come out there and dare I say, set the tone for the bullpen and being a guy that you have a high level of confidence in when he gets the ball in late game situations here. And you're obviously very hopeful that that is something that will continue over the course of this season. Right. Uh, I'm totally satisfied with Kendall Graveman to date. And then, hey, Liam Hendricks, shortest, uh, you know, pitch count outing that he's had. One, two, three. Uh, even made a kick save and a beauty if, if we're in the uh, hockey space here still. Give me a little, yeah. give me a little Pat Foley. Yeah. Here, oh, kick save and a beauty, Hendricks. 
All right. Thank you. I, yeah. I, I needed that after last night. Yeah, exactly. After Pat Foley uh, hung up the mic for the last time last night. But yeah, it was good to see from Hendricks, too, because I, I will say I still just got nervous just based on the first couple of outings that we've seen from so far this year. And I think that was warranted. And we saw it at certain points during last year. But let's hope this is a stretch of a shutdown one. Because if you remember, he had the rough stretch, giving up a bunch of home runs early in like April last year. And then in May, he was a reliever of the month and he was absolutely locked down. I don't think you got a, maybe like two runs off of him all month. So hopefully that's the start of a stretch here. Yeah. And again, we talked about this the other night. Um, really, it is going to be imperative for him to continue working in his secondary offerings with more regularity so that he is not just a one pitch pitcher. Was working the slider in a little bit more again here today. Still not particularly good command with it. So it is still certainly a work in progress and something that he clearly just doesn't have the feel for at this moment. That's going to be the biggest thing for him. Uh, looking to get back on track. Right. Good breakdown there, Steve. So um, that does it. White Sox uh, win this one three to two. Um, let's look at our pick to click results here. Um, I Tony had Anderson. Buzz had Grandall along with me. You had Eloy in his return to the lineup and Sean's got to win it. Sean Roberts with his X factor. Dylan Cease. That takes the cake here. He's ballsy. He goes for the pitcher all the time, man. Sean, Sean is a big, big pitcher guy when it comes to the pick-to-click. A little bit unconventional for us as a group here. But, hey, you know what? Sometimes you got to be unconventional when everyone else is conventional. And right. it's paying off so far. Yeah, because I can't say any of uh, any of the rest of us deserved one. Maybe if someone had Burger, that would be the only other one that could probably strike on this night. So um, that's about it. Uh, let's move on. Actually, before we move on to the next game preview. We will get to that in a second, but let's talk since this is the first Apple TV broadcast that the White Sox were on this year. Um, I had tuned in last week when it was Nats Mets with the same broadcast broadcast crew that we had tonight. And I'm sorry, I just couldn't deal with it. It was just poor. The, the production quality is nice. I think the graphics are nice. I think they have some cool stats that get uh, thrown up in the corner there. The, all the camera quality is super nice, but the broadcast itself, I'm not a fan of. So, I'll tell you what, I didn't hear a single second of them during in-game commentary from the Apple TV broadcast. My pro tip to anyone, if you didn't see it on my Twitter, make sure you go pull up the Apple TV on whatever monitor you're watching on or on your TV, and then on a separate device or in a different tab, if you're watching all on laptop, pull up MLB.TV, and you can go and pull up the radio feed, the Sox radio feed, no matter what. And that also allows you to pause, then rewind if you need to, to be able to sync it up. So I had Lennon DJ calling it the whole time. So I had no problems. It was um, not great, Bob. You know, there there were some audio issues that were going on pretty regularly here where the crowd mic almost was overpowering the the broadcast crew uh, for several instances. And it almost just sounded as if they they weren't really enunciating into the mic very loudly here and just with some of the graphic packages that they were doing and, and some of the Jackie Robinson uh, video packages and montages that they were doing again there were just numerous instances where you weren't able to hear the broadcast crew very effectively on it and you know the one thing that I'm going to say and I tweeted this out earlier and, and our guy Sal here in in the comments he nailed this thing how in the hell was Tim Anderson not mic'd up for this game Someone explain this to me because I, I don't understand right. it. You, you talk about a guy that is, you know, really the face of the White Sox franchise here, a guy that does a lot of work in the inner city of Chicago, a black player, a prominent black player from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, the heart of SEC football country. 
okay, on Jackie Robinson Day. And TA has spent a lot of time talking about understanding the history of Jackie Robinson and his path to the major leagues and what it meant for guys like him. How do you not give yeah. him that it, opportunity? You know, he's done a bunch of cool initiatives that I think he would have been able to talk about that in between innings when he's just waiting in the dugout, right? When it's not his turn in the order there, that would have been a perfect opportunity. And obviously, he would have the flair during the game, his interactions with players, because he's very lively. I agree. Uh, Matt and here again uh, should be mic'd up every game. Obviously, Sal had the how is Timmy not mic'd up, uh, like you had said too, Steve. Um, and then we've got another one on overall, uh, Sal saying Apple TV broadcast was garbage. So, um, yeah. And uh, Matt went to the one after the second. Um, I would just recommend doing it from before first pitch, get it synced up. So it's all set from the get go. Um, my only other comment though, is um, there are two broadcast teams because they usually do a, you know, earlier slot game and then a later slot game. And I did tune into both of them last week just to see what, what it was going to be. And I will say the one on, at least it was on the later game, which was again today, because I think it's Reds Dodgers tonight out in LA. Um, that other broadcast team is Steven Nelson, local Chicago guy, Hunter Pence, Katie Nolan and Heidi Watney uh, used to be on MLB Network. That broadcast crew, I think they did a much better job uh, than the one tonight. Who you had tonight was Melanie Newman on play-by-play, Chris Young, analyst, Hannah Kaiser, analyst, and Brooke Fletcher as the reporter there. So there's your differences in teams on Apple TV stream. Uh, since that was the first time, I uh, figure it was, uh, you know, um, time to at least unload on it a little bit with our thoughts hashtag thoughts on that so steve a uh, little bit of news before we go in this will kind of transition into our next game preview and uh this is um, josh harrison was available off the bench tonight per tlr um said he probably should be good to start saturday so that's encouraging news uh, i never know with a veteran guy like that how long back stiffness is going to take and that leads us in saturday's game white Sox rays uh 1 10 p.m start back on nbc sports chicago We've got Corey Kluber going for the Rays. Michael Kopech, fireballer, going for the White Sox. Thoughts? What are you expecting from this one? This is going to be a really interesting matchup here. Again, very similar to Dylan Cease. Michael Kopech has to go out there and establish fastball command early. We saw it get away from him a little bit early on in that start against Detroit. Maybe it was just a little bit amped up first start of the season. So it's really going to be important for him to go out there establish that fastball and particularly I think elevating that fastball at the top of the strike zone. I think you can have a lot of success with these Tampa hitters here. They do swing through a lot of fastballs admittedly. So that's something that I will be very interested to see if uh, Kopech and Ethan Katz, if that is the game plan that they look to attack the Tampa hitters with. And listen, the Sox, they know Corey Kluber. He spent a lot of time in Cleveland. This lineup a lot of guys here know him very well, so they have a good idea as far as what to expect from him. They understand how that slider breaks, so I'm looking for the Sox to go out there, have good quality at-bats, um, and kind of get back to what we saw you know, Tuesday, Wednesday of this week here, Get just getting a little bit more better at-bats. last two games have kind of tapered off a little bit here, so I'm looking forward to seeing them just string together some better at-bats tomorrow. Yeah, Kobe. they're going to have to do that too, Steve, because it's going to be another chilly one. I'm looking at uh, doing the Weta guy's job here since he's in witness protection. Um, it, it's going to be around 43 at first pitch. Uh, wind's blowing um, it about 15 to 16 miles an hour. So uh, may not be uh, conducive to a hitter's day, um, even though it will kind of be, you know, partially sunny uh, throughout the day. So obviously a little more lift than maybe tonight, um, but still it's April baseball in Chicago. So uh, quality at bats would be my key as well. So um, let, let's run it into some picks to click then. If we're going to get this done on uh, the quick turnaround and, and take the series tomorrow, 
who's going to help him get it done. It's going to be Jose Abreu. He has had great success against Corey Kluber throughout the course of his career. I am looking for him to pull one in the left field bullpen tomorrow. Absolutely. Matt's with you there. I see that. I like that. Um, all right. Um, as I'm looking at this one, um, obviously we don't know exactly who will be in the lineup, but um, I am going to ride with Mr. Andrew Vaughn. I would imagine him right-handed bat. I don't believe I picked him this year either. I have to divert, diversify a little bit because, you know me, it's very, very easy for me to go back to Yasmani Grandal like every other day. I'm just waiting for the home run surge to come at some point. Uh, and it will, it will. And there'll probably be a stretch in the summer where I keep doing that, but I'm going to go with Andrew Vaughn. I would assume uh, hopefully he'll be in the lineup tomorrow. So if not, if he doesn't come back since I've struck out on a couple of times where guys haven't been in the lineup, um, I will go with uh, Josh Harrison, assuming TLR's uh, note update today uh, was correct. And that Harrison is available, should be able to start tomorrow. So um, I like those picks, Steve. Um, other than that, give me a final thought and then let's get out of here. Really positive, encouraging performance again from Dylan Cease getting into the sixth inning. This bullpen needs it right now. They're getting taxed a little heavily here, especially after Jimmy Lambert throwing the other day. So to see Dylan Cease go out there and uh, give them some more length, that's going to help them here for the remainder of this series. All right. I love it. Um, my final thought is that um, iOS needs a uh, shovel emoji so I can probably treat it, tweet out uh, Gravedigger content uh, from Socks on Tap. So that's it. That's all I've got. Let's go take a series tomorrow and hopefully get a sweep when you and I are there on Sunday. White Sox forever. White Sox for life.